Welcome to Fiery Discourse, your podcast and media featuring dragonesses, female dinosaurs, and other similar swords and skillies. I'm your host, Lenilanon, and with me are my co-hosts, Angron, Lucky Eevee, Striker, and Math Machine. Today is our 46th episode, and we're discussing 2018's Enchanted Princess, so let's get things started. Now, a lot like uh, what happened in an earlier episode, uh, Bamboo Bears, I could find extremely little backstory on this movie. Even on, like, a Russian-language websites, you know, there is very, very little information about this movie out there. Yeah, Which makes is sense. pretty surprising. Uh, yeah. And and it's it's, it's, at least we know. People understand why. No, definitely, yeah. definitely. And this also, was, uh, yeah, it also uh, makes sense that the, because this is Russian, and in the past, we recently talked about a Russian film ourselves. Yep, The Sword and the Dragon, dragon. which... Spoiler alert, it's going to be a much better movie than this was, but and we'll get to that uh, about right now. Okay, better in terms of quality, but in terms of uh, attention grabbing, I'd have to say that's debatable. I, I don't yeah, well, we could definitely talk about one, uh, that in a little bit, but anyway, the movie begins in a parlor as a dragon appears on stage and he tells the audience about the story. And right off the bat, because it's the most notable thing about this movie, and it's probably the big elf in the, mo- in the room, the dubbing in this movie, the English dub, is really, really bad. A lot of the voices sound completely unfitting. It sounds like they just got random interns at whatever dubbing studio they did this in and had okay. them read the script after, like, the first uh, go-through. Or there like, are several like, performances, but some of them are just really, like, like this is amateur hour-level stuff. Devil's or Advocate like, here, but, uh, yeah, I honestly have heard way worse dubs. Hi, Phoenix Games, and pretty Oh, no, no, this isn't Phoenix anything. Games bad. This has some level of professionalism to it. Absolutely. Like, you know, Absolutely. But it's still not a very good dub, unfortunately. Actually, they uh, all of the dub. The... I am reading Sorry? from a script. This is me talking into the microphone. Can I get Yes, exactly. Now? That is exactly how some of the people in this movie sound. Yeah, except for the main characters, which we'll get to in a moment. Yeah, uh, a, yeah a lot of them just felt, mm, no, thank you. Also it, reminds it, me of those uh, point-and-click games that uh, that were basically just like Christmas games were like shoddily made despite some level of uh, uh, thought put into them for the most part. I mean, they're Christmas games. They have... Oh man, it honestly reminds me of that. But honestly, those are still worse compared to this movie, hands down. The yeah. the, the dub also reminded me of that one um that one Namco game, uh, Tales of Eternia, with the the voice acting in it. Mm-hmm. I believe it was that. Actually, I don't remember exactly. I know that like the voice acting. The 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 cat the voice cast was literally just one of the employees um uh family members. Oof! Wow, and uh, wow. they had no voice acting experience prior. They were just grabbed because of the small budget that they had. Oh dear! Yeah, I'll bet. Yeah, yeah that. Definitely sounds good, but like this movie is probably on that level because again the dub is really really bad. 
The story begins uh, with uh, the first of two kings in this story who looks a lot like the king from Zelda's CDI. Sadly, yeah. we do not Moms? get to hear him say, my boy, or if his ship leaves my in the morning. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, unfortunately. Oh, man. We'll be referencing Zelda's CDI. Uh, we, they, and oh, no, the animation in this movie well, resembles but... Zelda's CDI at a lot of parts, too. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, we're definitely going to call back to that quite a bit. But yeah, I mean, Zelda CDI was animated by a Russian animation, animation company, studio. So. so, yep, might have been people who worked on this. We really don't know. But anyway, yep. the king is telling his official scribe to write about the supposed deeds he had done, like slaying an increasingly large amount of dragons, which is a cute joke, but it's kind of ruined by the actor's delivery because he's just like really rushing through it. And after the opening title sequence, we find ourselves in the blacksmith shop of Ivan, who is our male protagonist. And he's Wasn't also. Evan? I thought, I thought it was Ivan. Maybe it's Evan, but I regardless. Hear, I kept hearing Evan throughout the movie. Uh, so yeah, guessing. they pronounced it Evan. Wow, they pronounced okay. the same Evan. Wow, okay. Uh, I haven't heard that. I'm Ivan, pretty sure it's most pronounced Ivan. It. Yeah, yeah. In Russia, you know, the time period, it probably uh, is. I see. But... Okay. Anyway, uh, yeah, they Ivan just, is they a just black... got the pronunciation wrong. Yeah, yeah. Like they screw up a lot of stuff in this movie's dub, which again, we'll get to in a little bit, but. Ivan, it turns out, is a blacksmith and an inventor, according to the opening narration. And the voice editing in this movie really also is bad because a lot of the characters step on each other's lines. You can tell that, again, that the dub for this movie was a rush job. It like it was like, we got to get this done at a certain time and rush it out to market. So, unfortunately, that was definitely the biggest casualty of it. We get to see Ivan's brothers arrive, and the designs are pretty weird, even by the standards of this movie. Because the uh, shorter, heavier one kind of has like a jester appearance to him that just really looks odd. And mm. it turns out one of Ivan's many inventions is a sidecar for his goat, which, <laughs> yeah. how does that work? Because Russia. <laughs> because yeah, Russia. So there is no sense in this movie at times, no, I swear. No, no this, movie, this movie goes places. It goes a lot of places. But anyway, oh, one yeah. of the brothers... Uh, cliff, mostly. Yeah, yeah, and again, that's what happens with the brothers. They ride the goat while the other rides in the sidecar. They go too fast and fall off a cliff, and the background in this part is pretty obvious CGI, and the background music is like a mixture of, like, Gregorian chanting and pop music. Ivan attempts okay. to save them with a spring boots as they fall into mud, and then we get to the uh, second kingdom, which is Princess Barbara, who is depicted as an adventurer. She's working on a hot air balloon. She wants to see the world. And this hot air balloon is really, really poor uh, quality CGI. The original Pixar shorts looked better than this hot air balloon. The The hot air balloon in the original Spyro the Dragon looks better than this. This is really, really was rushed. By the way, her father... Stop right here right quick to make a bit of a tangent. Yeah, this movie mixes like six different styles of animation. It's got CGI. It does. It's got uh, hand-drawn animation. It's got flash animation. It, it's got weird rigging for some characters. Uh, it's got some cell shading even for some other things. It's It mixes so many different kinds of animation and all of them are done so poorly and none of them match. And it all looks terrible combined. Uh, it's some weird tonal seem... whiplash in, That's what I was in gonna say. animation. Okay. That's what I was going to say. Was... It doesn't feel intentional. It feels like like they had no idea how to do it. They just wanted to try and get it done like as soon as possible. Exactly. Devil's advocate. 
there are some moments that do work pretty seamlessly for the most part, and it looks like they ultimately cleaned up their act a tiny bit. And other than, like, one or two characters ultimately working better in spite of those things, more on that later. Yeah, mm-hmm. I kind of see what you mean. But yeah, uh, it turns out that uh, her father's crown falls off, just getting back to the story, and is picked up by the evil advisor, who, I sw- he looks, if you've ever seen the horror classic movie Nosferatu, then number one, you know, you have good taste, and number two, you know that uh, Count Orlock, uh, the evil advisor looks exactly like Orlock, and he looks so intentionally evil, it feels like something out of a satire. You know, it doesn't feel yeah. like, you know, that's the design they went with with this vampire-looking guy. He reminds me of uh, Christopher Lee Dracula, honestly. I can see that, too, you know, with the cape and all. Yeah. But anyway, uh, it turns out that uh, Barbara has turned down every single suitor, much to the frustration of the king. The advisor then tells the king to put his foot down. Then he does so, and he causes the ground to shake. And I feel like a lot of the weirdness in this movie is probably because of literal translations of idioms that, again, don't translate into other languages. Stuff like that, you know? It turns out that we then get to see uh, Ivan fishing, and Barbara's hot air balloon crashes into the tree nearby. Uh, Ivan helps her out by getting the anchor out of her tree, and... But as we said earlier, and we repeated uh, quite a bit and probably will repeat several more times in this uh, episode, uh, the voice acting is really haphazard at points. And Barbara's voice actress is clearly like she flubs a lot of her lines and they obviously didn't do second takes in it because they just left it into the uh, final product. (laughs) Yeah, it's like that one Christmas game that I mentioned before where it's like, oh, the parent took Nina. And like this other guy and it's like, I didn't suffer the horrors of war only to lose Nina. And like the like the episode of Game Grumps that I was watching this on, like Dan was like, I didn't suffer the war. He did that, and he's like, Great, we got it. <laughs> I remember <laughs> that. I remember oh, that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Honestly, though, the dubbing here isn't as completely bullshit as uh, one may think because there it there are some pretty fluid moments that help transition the thing and again uh, barbara's lines for better or worse get a little better come later oh no we'll no they, they do improve you'll we'll give them credit yeah but anyway what happens is uh ivan and barbara talk about the similarities of seeing the world barbara touches ivan's cheek and he's visibly you know falls in love with her and the weird thing is again this feels like something that's a tonal whiplash between the dub script and the visuals because Barbara is telling Ivan about how I thought you'd be different and all men are the same. But the facial expression she has is like happy and almost wistful. It feels like something that it was it was added to the dub script of this movie. And originally she had like a different line. But anyway. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I understand what you mean. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Barbara flies away as we get uh, one of our first uh, real bits of weirdness as a group of crows drop newspapers that say about uh, Barbara's latest turning down of her suitor. And sadly, yeah, we could or could (laughs) not confirm if the uh, crows, one of them was Diablo. Oh, my God. Much more interesting movie. (laughs) But anyway, don't worry. There's plenty of other Disney things in this movie. Oh, oh, yeah, we will get to them. Believe me, we will get to them. But. Now we cut back to the castle where the evil advisor is listening to Barbara arguing with their father over her behavior. Barbara is tired of being only known as a pretty thing and wants her own hopes and dreams. 
uh, the king here gets a funny line that he says, when you get married, maybe your husband might let you have your own hopes and dreams, which pretty good gag. And the evil uh. advisor then, of course, claims that he'd make all her dreams come true. And he lets out an evil laugh that it really isn't that bad. In, in all honesty. But then uh, we get to see the dragon from the opening narration is in her bedroom and is reclining on her bed. And although the dub doesn't make it clear, he is apparently her pet. Indeed. And then uh, Barbara begins to uh, lament her situation. And the background music makes it sound like this is supposed to be a song, but Barbara is just speaking. That's the real interesting thing about it. Is that it feels like this is meant to be a musical number, but for some reason they just didn't go through with it. Mm, but then yeah, uh, the royal sense. advisor then uh, bursts into the room and he says that he wants to marry her, her, he loves her, he understands where she's coming from, and the movie is kind of a ripoff of Aladdin with the royal advisor wanting to marry the princess and rule the kingdom, and then we get another bit of weirdness because uh, Barbara laughs him off and we hear a, ret a record scratch on the soundtrack. Oh dear. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, kind of cringe. This is 2018. Okay. We're still doing record scratch jokes. So, yeah. But anyway, the royal advisor is enraged at this and he decides to transform her into a dragoness. Now, and I uh, will say this is the best part of the animation. This it, is where it looks stunning. It is really, really just stunning. Oh, yeah. She becomes a dragoness and is basically, and honestly, here, this is where the character either makes or breaks people, in my opinion. And personally, this moment right here, I, oof, the shit she goes through later in the movie. Yeah, is, yeah, it definitely does. Uh, yeah, oh, man. She definitely goes through quite a lot in the story. And again, like, uh, like you said, uh, the animation quality in this is such a bump up from what it was. It really, really is amazing, and I do like how uh, I do like how uh, her dragoness form is really, really unique. She's a lot shorter than usual. She has the same scale colors as the dress that she wears, which is uh, really cute. And apparently, uh, the royal advisor likes short stacks, so that's a thing. The way Whoa. that I have described the design for this dragoness is that she is dummy thick Mushu with wings. Oh my god! That, that, that is that not inaccurate. That is not an inaccurate uh, description of her. She and does have her colors from when she was human, though. So that I always that, that's always a plus in my opinion when they do that because that that always is good. The royal advisor then turns her pet dragon tiny and traps him in a beaker. Then the movie cuts to the woods where we see a bear picking out berries. And sadly or thankfully, this is not a bamboo bears crossover. <laughs> Barbara <laughs> arrives. Yeah. She arrives in a multicolored tornado, and she's knocked out unconscious. Uh, Barbara then sets the bear on fire, and she runs to the lake to cool her mouth off. And she wonders what she uh, became, and she eats a mushroom out of, like, hunger, which causes her to breathe more fire, which I guess someone decided to combine the super mushroom and the fire flower. But yeah, mm, I, I, know. <laughs> I know. But anyway, uh, we get to see a man who sees the fire, and this guy's design is is a lot like Kristoff from Frozen, Except and it's like it really looks identical to where I think that they really just copied the design for this guy. And what happens? He sees Barbara in her dragness form, and he leaps out of his own hot air balloon. He does a very weird series of traveling, including he lands on a series of catapults, and he goes through multiple pipes before landing in a building. And he presents uh, two guards with a very crude drawing of Barbara as a vicious dragon, which 
pretty cute punchline, and I feel like it's a reference to something, like some kind of a story or some kind of a, you know, a film or some kind of a Eastern European reference that I'm just not getting because in the context of this movie, not having any context of that, you know, the culture really, it is so out of place, you know? Yeah, it's I pretty weird. It was, I thought it was an old, like, Looney Tunes-style gag reference where they would travel extreme distances or by extreme methods just to deliver very simple or stupid messages. It honestly just reminded me of, reminded me of Fantasy meets Dr. Seuss, and I just like, okay. Yeah, yeah. In this, in the context of this universe, it, it makes as much sense as everything else. But anyway, the two cards, the two uh, cards, excuse me, the two guards enter the uh, first king's halls, and they tell them about the dragon in the kingdom. The king is as horrified. They are banging their heads down on the ground. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh god. And the king is horrified, and he has guards sound the alarm to find the dragon. And I watched the official upload of this on YouTube by uh, Cinema Fund Russia, which apparently is the studio that made this. And one thing I just want to point out a tiny tangent, the official, the thumbnail for it says it's the official trailer, but it's the whole movie. So right there, you made a mistake. But another mm-hmm. one is that there's a part of this movie where the sound actually glitches out for a few seconds. And this is the official studio uploading it. That That is, again, like what happened with Bamboo Bears, shows you how much care uh, they really put into this movie if they couldn't even be bothered to do a complete, like, uh, you know, a flaw-free upload of it on YouTube. Our Dark the Magnificent had more errors in it, and it was still more entertaining. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, uh, the Kings then instructs his sons to slay the dragon. Ivan is all for it, but the other two brothers are less enthusiastic, and again, there is a funny joke here. This movie stumbles occasionally into really good jokes, because the other two saying things like, oh yes, let's let Ivan bring glory to the kingdom on his own, and then the other like, yeah, but he got other stuff to do. And they have like huge grins trying to trying to basically please their father while trying to get out of this. It really is funny. It's like it's like, you know, a stopped clock is right twice a day. This is like w- one of those instances because that is a legit funny joke. Yeah. But then we get a montage of the guards trying to find different ways to slay uh, the dragon, aka Barbara. But it's really just awkward and not that funny. It just, it you can tell they're trying to do, again, like a Looney Tunes style slapstick, but it just feels very, very strange. And I think that sums up the entire movie that it tries to do, you know, things that other animated movies and animated media does, but it just comes off as really awkward and uh, and uh, unsettling in a lot of ways. Really rush Yep. As Ivan and his uh. brothers uh, set out to uh, basically uh, fight the dragon, they left the background music in Russian, so that's one thing they didn't dub in this movie. Uh, yeah. That yep. makes sense. Anyway, uh, his and brothers decide to. Yep, his brothers then decide to stay in the cabin. Then they force Ivan to sleep outside. Ivan watches the night sky and he sings about wanting to see Barbara and how much he loves her. Now I don't remember any of the lyrics, but the song isn't actually the worst, which is interesting. You know, <laughs> that they actually dubbed over a pretty uh, decent song. And the next morning, we get to see Barbara awaken, and she's chased out of the area by a group of beavers wearing hard hats. And there was something that I actually learned about from this movie, which is that Russia has a pretty sizable beaver population. So, if nothing else, this movie taught me something new. Yeah, oh, they they are. They are totally... They overstayed their welcome fast. 
Oh yes, oh, yes. Hell and yeah, they the really things do. they do with them later on, especially in one uh, instance of the movie, uh, I can't wait till we get to it because it is just something that I had to pause the movie and rewind it to make sure I actually saw that right. But for right now, their slapstick and the little muttering under their breath is kind of funny. Uh, Barbara bumps into Ivan and he attempts to attack her with a wooden board. The beavers arrive as Barbara basically cowers behind Ivan and Ivan uses the wooden pole to knock away the beavers. He claims that it's like bowling, but the animation is more like a boomerang, so that probably was uh, another dub era. And Barbara's voice as a dragoness is a lot scratchier and rougher than her human form. Uh, at one, it's kind of a double-edged sword to me because at one point it's a little uh, grain to listen to, but at the other hand, the voice actress is actually kind of trying in this part, and I do like, I have to give them credit, that they actually made the dragoness form sound a little different than the normal human princess form. So it's somebody like, put some level of thought into this, so I give them credit for that. Yeah, it's like that one episode of Super Friends we reviewed before uh, last week, where yeah, basically exactly, like, exactly uh, like that. Yeah, where, like, the initial, like, whole normal Wonder Woman voice just sounds basic, but then she, like, actually gives, like, legit effort when she does, like, the dinosaur voice, and it's just like, where did this come from? Exactly. That That is exactly, mm. exactly a uh, perfect mm. analogy right there from a dinosaur, the island of the dinosaurs in this. It was ironic because I did not intend for us to review these back-to-back uh, and them being so similar in that way. But yeah, uh, what happens is the crows arrive again. This time they drop a newspaper about the princess's disappearance. And it basically says that whoever finds the princess shall win her hand in marriage and half the kingdom. And Ivan, wanting it, decides to set out to find Barbara. With, of course, the irony being that Barbara is right there all along. And Ivan's brothers also decide to secretly follow them and get the princess for themselves. Ivan, of course, has no idea where to start. And Barbara tells him that they should head back to her kingdom. And it turns out that the kingdom is having, like, a festival of sorts, which means that Barbara can pretend to be in a costume instead of being an actual dragoness. And this whole uh, idea of a plot line, which could be interesting, goes absolutely nowhere. Like, they mention it for one line, then that's out the window. Ivan attempts to buy a map from a nearby vendor, but he has no money. I'm Horseshoe. Yep. Yeah, so that's basically Horseshoe. Exactly like Horseshoe. Come back when you were a little... Richer. Richer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You weren't. We got it. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, Classic dear God. Yeah, what happens is uh, there's a wrestling contest nearby with a cash prize, and Ivan goes to fight the champion to win the money, and the champion looks a lot like a famous luchador El Santo, who is awesome, and if you haven't seen any of his movies, you should. But anyway, okay. he basically okay. uh, crosses I'm Ivan gonna... all across the ring. I'm sorry. I'm going to fact check you on that, because this guy, uh, I I know what El Santos looks like, and that don't look like El Santos. He looks like a mix of El Santo and Hulk Hogan, honestly. Uh, Looking at it again, yeah, I can kind of see it. Sorry about that. Uh, All good, but yeah, (laughs) that's kind of a stretch. Yeah, sorry, sorry about that. But anyway, uh, yeah, what happens is the champion basically uh, throws Ivan all across the ring, but Ivan manages to hang the champion on a hook by his leotard. Ivan is declared the winner of the fight, and he receives the money, so he buys the map. And then Ivan's brothers arrive at the fair, and the vendor tries to sell them the same map, but they just threaten him and take it, which meant that everything in that entire sequence was completely and utterly pointless. 
everything I just talked about for the past like couple of minutes we could just forget about because it has no impact on the story. Well, because main character plot, because the brothers are kind of dicks, honestly. Well, like, yeah, yeah, well, they damn, think but they saying... deserve everything, and they ultimately get everything, and then are punished for it. Yeah, exactly, Switch. exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, what happens next is we then uh, cut back to Barbara's castle, where her father and the nobles are still looking for her in a very uh, brief sequence. We then... Uh, Get back to Barbara, and, to Barbara and Ivan themselves, so they're crossing through a wide variety of landscapes while Barbara complains, and they basically just stole this from Shrek 2. You know, when they're going to Far, Far Away, and Donkey just keeps asking, are we there yet? It really is like, uh, like that. And, of course, the two are eventually lost, and they decide to keep going forward. It gets to be the middle of the night, and they decide to sit on a log to relax, and the weird thing is, Barbara acts in this... More like a spoiled brat. But the weird thing is, as a human, she didn't act like that. Now, granted, it is kind of justifiable because of the experience that she's going through. But I feel like if they were trying to do like an Emperor's New Groove thing, where she learns to be more humble after her transformation and that, if they were trying for that, it does not reflect in this movie at all. I mean, yeah. maybe it does in the original Russian, but in this dub, it just comes completely out of nowhere. Honestly, yeah, again, I see what you mean, but honestly, if you had to walk several miles, like, literally, no to literally some place, like, you go across different landscapes, you like, you're on your feet, like, keep in mind, they do not have vehicles, they, she cannot fly that well, because she just became a dragon, like, honestly... I feel sorry for her because oh, no, no, holy hell, the do. things she goes through in this make it feel like, yeah, granted, not all of her uh, complaining is very justifiable or even tolerable for the most part. I mostly tolerate it because of this situation, but to be, but honestly, yeah, this, I honestly wanted to hug that person. Yeah, <sighs> definitely, definitely. So anyway, uh, unbeknownst to them, an ogre is sitting behind the log to capture them, and the ogre's name is never mentioned in the movie. So for the sake of uh, easy purposes, uh, we're just gonna—I'm just gonna call him Russian Willie the Giant because yeah. he reminded me of Willie the Giant. Nice, that makes sense. And they do this weird thing with his voice. It's like a yes, it's like a semi-auto tune to his voice. Yeah, I was gonna mention that. I was uh, gonna mention. I have him in my notes. Really yeah, auto tune, more like a. Electronic electronically reader. pitched it's like he's pitched yes, lower you. than how he's supposed to and again i have to imagine this was not how this guy sounded in the original version but the dub for some reason they probably could they probably uh, didn't have anybody whose voice could go that low so they had to take some guy performing and electronically pitch it down to make him sound deeper which sounds really really weird i know I, it annoyed me the entire time yeah, I didn't yeah. hate it. I didn't think it was too weird. I just thought it was okay. Oh, I know. I didn't hate it. I just thought it was annoying. That's basically my excuse. That's basically my entire justification for this movie. It's just like, oh, okay, moving on. Yeah, exactly. It's one of those things that's just really jarring because it's done very poorly, like a lot of other stuff in this movie. And you can yeah. hear that it's done like this. Still yeah. higher quality than Phoenix games, I'll say that. Um, anything is higher then. quality than that. That is like like bottom bottom of the barrel. Like you know, it is. At that point, you might as well like make paper bag puppets and stuff like that. 
Yeah. But anyway, what <laughs> yeah. happens is a, a Russian Willie the Giant threatens to eat them, starting with Ivan and then Barbara. Ivan then tells Barbara to use her fire to melt the bars, but she refuses, claiming that it makes her feel sick every time she does it. And we had another moment that I don't know if it was meant to be funny, but it definitely reminds me. It definitely uh, seems funny to me. He holds Barbara like a bellows and he uses her to melt the bars. It also reminded me a little bit of uh, My Little Pony, the movie, when the same thing happened with Spike, except there, Spike actually killed a couple of guys. Yeah. yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, oh, what man. happens is they attempt to make it out, but due to all the smoke, uh, Barbara sneezes, which creates more fire and awakes uh, Russian Willie the Giant. Ivan then mentions that ogres have to ask them three riddles, and if they get all three uh, wrong, he could eat them. But if they get all three right, he has to let them go. And it actually reminds me a little bit of The Hobbit with the riddles in the dark. I really wonder if Tolkien was inspired by this bit of uh, Slavic mythology, because from what I remember, this is actually accurate to Slavic mythology. That's and interesting. The riddles themselves are kind of clever, and... Uh, to be honest, they probably are the only thing that was translated well were the riddles and that they're actually kind of clever and they're not, like, so obvious. And, of course, they end up beating uh, Russian Willie the Giant after solving all three of his riddles. He decides not to let them go, and they force them to entertain him. And basically what how they get out of it is they ask him a riddle that's unsolvable, and they run out while he's trying to answer. He then chases after them, but they manage to cross a bridge while he falls down. He's stuck down in the uh, chasm. Mm. The movie then cuts to uh, Ivan's father, uh, who is infuriated over the disappearance of all three of his sons. There's a pretty dark joke that actually got a, a chuckle out of me just because I was not expecting it, with the guard saying, Requesting permission to be executed, sir. And the uh, scribe dresses up like the executioner with the axe and the, and the uh, hood and it's everything. It's actually kind of funny. Yeah, it is, it's it is. Funny, and it's something honestly. that, again, this movie, like I say, stumbles into pretty decent uh, jokes at times. The next day, uh, Barbara and Ivan are in a forest where Baba Yaga appears. She's called Baba the... Uh, yeah, she's called the uh, forest witch in this movie, but she, she clearly is supposed to be Baba Yaga. So, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Very much oh, so. Gosh. She then uh, captures them and brings her to her hut, and the voice actress for Baba Yaga is particularly terrible in this because he sounds yep. really off-putting and it just sounds like someone doing a really, really bad, ooh, I'm an old lady voice. In fact, that's I honest. think that voice right there was probably better than the voice actress in this movie. It that was. Really that was. Mm. But yeah, uh, Baba Yaga reveals her collection of magical items uh, throughout the years and that. Ivan then asks her why she hides all these items in the rest of the world and she says that she doesn't care about them. Baba Yaga has Barbara tied up and has her cataloged as one of the items. Yeah, and say, it's very interesting what she, what position she has her in. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't oh intentional, but yeah, wow, looking at it, I think someone had a little too much fun drawing that. Probably, <laughs> indeed. Yeah, yeah. movie. Exactly. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But basically, uh, yeah. So then what happens is Ivan uh, has to collect three items for Baba Yaga's collection and to set Barbara free. The first item is a, a pair of magical boots in a tree that has no branches. Ivan attempts to climb it multiple times, but he falls off every single time. Meanwhile, uh, Baba Yaga unties Barbara so they can play games together, which 
it really could have been a nice little bit of character moment with Barbara and uh, and Baba Yaga together, but again, they just gloss right over it. The beavers suddenly return. They gnaw down the tree, which allows Ivan to easily get the boots and fly away with it, which Ivan got those boots a hell of a lot easier than it took Link to get the Pegasus boots. Nice. Yeah. Ivan uh, returns with the boots, and his second task is to bring Baba Yaga an assistant. What happens is he sits in the field and he breaks a loaf of bread in half, which reveals the helper, who turns out to be invisible. Again, this feels like mythology, and I feel like when this movie actually does stuff from Russian mythology or, you know, Slavic mythology, it's interesting. But it's like when it tries to do other stuff, that's when it just loses me. It's like... I have a lot more respect for, again, Sword and the Dragon because you could tell they were trying to do their best to represent these uh, medieval literature epics. But this feels like they're trying to basically take a bunch of them and mash it together. It's like if uh, Disney made Hercules, but they also tried doing Jason and the Argonauts and uh, the Tale of Perseus at the same time. It really, uh-huh. really would not work if you tried mashing all of these mythology stories together into one uh, thing. Honestly, this reminds me uh, a lot of like something like overly sarcastic productions, but uh, this feels a little more bizarre. And honestly, compared to the Sword and the Dragon, I was a little more fascinated with the, this than that. Honestly, like knock on wood, if I ever decide to do repeat watchthroughs of this, but man, this honestly had my attention more. Yeah, I, I can definitely see it. this movie is a lot of things. It certainly isn't boring. I will give this movie that. Oh, hell yeah. Absolutely. What happens is the beavers then appear again and they squirt him with a fire hose and the helper lifts him up and carries him through the sky. And we never know what the helper looks like or anything. We just know that it presume it's a male and it's invisible. So that that's all we know about it. Uh, then what happens is uh, the third and final task is to get a comb from the Sea King. Not the uh, Pokemon, rather, but the King of the Sea. And if he doesn't get it, Baba Yaga threatens to eat him for some reason, which... Or the Sea King from uh, One Piece. (laughs) That that would be interesting, too. What happens is uh, Ivan draws out the Sea King by basically going to the sea and smacking it with an oar, which, okay, is is legit kind of funny. And we then get to see the Sea King appear, and number one, he looks absolutely ridiculous. Like, this is probably the the worst character design in the movie. It just looks, you cannot take this guy seriously. And the worst part about it is the second thing, is that he is an Indian stereotype. Like, like he is like a Fisher Stevens in Short Circuit stuff here. Yeah, he is like shameless. Yes, yes. He wants Ivan to fix his uh, his magical music uh, machine, and then he starts rapping, and for no reason. And I I'm not ashamed to admit I just skipped this part. I just like fast forward, fast forward, fast forward, just to be done with that uh whole, that sequence. Uh, Ivan then follows the Sea King underwater, where he gets a bubble helmet, and he travels with him to his kingdom. His daughters are pretty much all uh, King Triton's daughters from uh, uh, Little Mermaid, so another uh, ripoff right there. Me and the they are. Then there's a really weird edit in uh, this uh, the, the official movie upload that I watched, and that Ivan fixes the machine after a few failed attempts by uh, putting the gears, and then it just cuts to him rising to the surface. Like, he fixes it, he closes the door, then it just cuts to him at the surface. It feels like something was cut out. There like, was a weird audio glitch with it, too. Like, the audio yeah. just cuts out. 
Yeah, exactly. I think that they exactly. Lost like ninety seconds or something. It feels. It definitely feels like there was something that they cut out. Maybe it was because of copyright. Maybe it was because it was something so unsavory that they didn't want to play it in a movie or something. But mm. whatever it was, it was cut out, and it very, very, it's very jarring. And now the beavers show up again. This time they're just like pirates while standing on another wooden board. And the Sea King gets rid of them by launching them into space. And this is the moment of the movie that actually broke me. They're floating in space. The leader of the beavers puts on a Soviet-era space helmet. It has the red star on it and everything. And they fly into space on the wooden board. They actually I mean, fly this is, this is like. Actually fly I had back to, to re-watch this like two or three times just to make sure I wasn't going completely crazy after seeing that. I was like, did I see that right? I gotta watch it again. I mean, you are going crazy for watching this, but that's another story. Yeah, but yeah, of course, of course. And but yeah, we're doing this podcast too, so yeah. But anyway, the Sea oh. King then bids a farewell to Ivan. Another group of beavers are stuck in the ocean as Ivan pulls them out, which causes the uh, beaver leader to salute him. Barbara is revealed to have beaten uh, Baba Yaga in chess, which causes the old, which causes uh, the witch to berate her. Ivan will never return, and she'll be your captive forever. And then, of course, Ivan shows up with the comb again, which causes Bob, Baba Yaga to release Barbara. And Barbara then mentions that she wants to meet Baba Yaga again. And I feel again something was cut out, like there was something intended for this movie that they cut out because. I feel like there wasn't probably more to this. Like they would have become friends or they would have had scenes where they bonded with each other over something. But this comes completely out of nowhere because she clearly was not enjoying being uh, Baba Yaga's prisoner. Indeed. They really did. There was some, some kind of error with a lot of these. I've, I've noticed a lot of scenes in this. Yeah, oh, definitely, definitely. But yeah, uh, what happens then is that uh, we then cut to Barbara's father, demanding that the royal advisor find her or he'll start executing people. The royal advisor goes to his uh, basically lair slash laboratory, which again reminds me a little bit of Jafar. Uh, Barbara's pet dragon starts rapping, but I couldn't make out any of the lyrics because he's in a jar and it's just so muffled. It sounds literally like it's uh, Kenny from South Park or something. Yeah, uh, I could make it out somewhat, but it didn't exactly sound like rapping. It felt more like him just dancing and trying to please him out of freaking. It was. It was basically like yo yo yo. I'm a tough dragon, uh, being raised in the cell. Word that kind of oh, stuff. Oh god! Wow. Like that. Wow. It honestly yeah. reminded me a bit more of uh, Zazu being a in a rib cage cell and just seeing like it's just not oh yeah, god not as charming though not as charming but anyway hmm. the royal advisor then releases barbara's pet dragon and he demands the dragon entertains him uh the dragon refuses so the royal advisor puts him back in the jar and then we then and then we cut to a uh, barbara asking ivan what he'll say when he meets the princess and he has no idea ivan sees a tower and he thinks that the princess is in it because it's a tower obviously he goes yeah. in there to find her, despite the fact that this place looks like it has been abandoned for, like, centuries. Ivan makes it to the top of the tower, and a at the top of the tower, in, like, the very, very, you know, highest place of it, is a giant crow, which attacks him, which causes uh, Ivan to fall over the side of the balcony. Ivan slips and falls, but Barbara actually flies up and catches him. Uh, the two leave, and the giant crow peers at them as they leave the tower. 
which, okay, this, this again, has to be something from mythology that really did not come off in translation. This Something was lost in translation here, because why a giant crow of all things? Hmm. Again, you know, fairy tale logic, and we shouldn't be like, oh, plot hole ding kind of thing. But seriously, though, it, it just, it is so bizarre. But anyway, it is bizarre. I, yeah. Ivan then mentions that he loves the princess, and Barbara uses this to her advantage. Basically, she cries and she pretends that no one could love her, no one, you know, ever would you know, love a beast like her. Ivan says that he does, and this is enough to break the curse. So that was a pretty weak he curse. Says- he is her yeah, I got resolved pretty friend. quickly, all things considered. I'm uh, sorry, he so, says what? He says that he is her best friend, and she will always be his best friend. That's and that's somehow... Love. They didn't say anything about love. Though wow, wow, that's even worse. Just... I must have misremembered it, sorry. But wow, that's even worse than if that's the case. Because that means that the, the spell was broken even by weaker stuff. So anyway, what happens is the removal of the curse is pretty similar animation to it being put on. And again, legit, really, really good animation. What happens is uh, the princess turns back to normal. Ivan's brothers then capture her and tie him up so they can go back to her kingdom and get the reward for themselves. Ivan is then uh, thrown into a marsh, but then the beavers go to save him. How they save him is they basically tie him to the end of a tree and fling him out of there. Then the royal advisor suddenly appears. He shrinks down uh, Ivan's brothers, and then he does the same with uh, the princess. Ivan then realizes that the advisor's power is in his ring, and then he realizes if I take off the royal advisor's ring, he'll be powerless. He then manages to creep into the advisor's lair somehow. We don't get to see how he did it. He manages to get it off, but the advisor wakes up. Ivan, there's another funny bit that I do like is that he goes to the advisor who's just staring like daggers at him and he goes, oh, you're dreaming. And the advisor actually goes to sleep for a second. Oh, I'm okay. sorry, this is fucking stupid. It's funny, honestly. I actually it, found that pretty hilarious a I, little bit. I think it's the timing of it. So it's the timing like, oh, okay. And he just goes back to sleep. But then, of course, he then wakes up and the two fight each other. Now, you think that this would be like a really cool, like, wizard battle, like Aladdin or something like that with a bunch of transformation and things, but nope, they just have a normal, like, hand-to-hand combat fight. The advisor uh, chokes Ivan, yeah, but then the invisible helper from earlier subdues him. Ivan steals uh, the royal advisor's ring, but he can't make it work. What happens is uh, he remembers that Baba Yaga told him, uh, if you twist the ring, basically, uh, you will be able to defeat him. What happens is he twists it, which creates a tornado that sucks up the royal advisor. So apparently this magical ring works like the warp whistle from Mario 3. We're nerds, I, yeah, folks. I honestly didn't think of how, uh, how they would twist the ring. All I think it was like, just... Uh, you know, just... Yeah, like shift it on the, on the ring finger or something like that. But yeah. honestly... I thought twisting the ring on the top bit made the most sense, so, eh. Yep, so what happens is the princess is brought back to normal. Ivan re- uh, receives his award. Uh, he threatens his brothers with the ring, which causes them to basically get out of there. He then basically decides to take the ring, toss it into the fountain, where the Sea King catches it. So apparently the Sea King can travel in any uh, body of water. 
So I guess that might be accurate to mythology, might not be. Again, not an expert on non-Slavic mythology. Uh, the movie ends with uh, Barbara and Ivan embracing each other. And then we get a clip show of everything we basically just saw set to a song. And I was like, no, no, we are done. And then yeah. there, in this yeah, movie, there is a post-credit scene. I kid you not. There is a post-credit scene of the two brothers finding a treasure chest. Uh, Baba Yaga giving a riddle to Russian Willie the Giant. And the evil advisor finally lands where he's chased down by the beavers. And this movie apparently was a huge box office flop in Russia. From the very few sources I could find, it made extremely little amount of its budget back, which I can obviously see why. If you really just want to see a movie set in Russia with Baba Yaga, a bunch of trials, and a woman becomes a dragoness, just watch Bartok the Magnificent. Uh, it, it does everything that this movie does way, way, way better. And plus, it has a way better dragonist transformation in it too, because absolutely, I mean, so, oh, absolutely. <laughs> Honestly, this movie wasn't bad per se, but it certainly wasn't exactly good. It it was okay. It had some harmless moments, but overall, I'm not exactly gonna be uh, actively looking for it. I absolutely okay. was not impressed with this movie either. Okay. This this was a tough one for me to get through. I, I have a very, very high tolerance for bad movies. Same. This, this was tough. This was tough. I had to, like I said, I actually watched this at a twice the speed at one point just to get like get through it faster. But I yeah, have now watched Meet the Spartan, and I did not have as hard a time watching that as I did this movie. Meet the Spartans. Ooh. Oh, God. That's bad. That's that bad. Wow. That, that is I remember low. the ads that, that is, for that movie. That, that it, is it low. Yeah. This is how you can tell this is bad. Yeah. But thankfully, uh, like I say, uh, I this movie's weird enough to where I feel like one watch uh, is worth watching. Watch it with at like twice the speed and maybe uh, you know fast forward to some of the uh, more uh, cringier parts. But and have lots whole, of liquor on hand. Oh, that's oh, that, that yeah. Yeah. Honestly, this reminds me of this one uh, Adult Swim movie where it's like can be watched either at like normal speed or like fast forwarded. That that's what it reminds me of. Oh, definitely, definitely. But yeah, now it is time for the uh, question of the episode, which is, what is the most unique fantasy movie that you've seen? And I have two answers for it. Uh, my first one is going to be, I don't know if it counts as fantasy, because it's more, I guess, horror, science fiction, but I don't know what genre you'd classify this, or if you can classify it in a genre. It's a little uh, movie with a very charming title. The incredibly strange creatures who stopped living and became mixed up zombies. This movie is insane. What this movie, uh, the plot is that a fortune teller hypnotizes people to do her biddings. She pours acid on them and, and forces them to become her zombie serial killer slaves. Now you think, oh, that'd be interesting. No, this movie is absolutely bizarre. The film stock changes from shot to shot. The sound sounds like it was recorded, you know, in three cities away. The acting is terrible. 90% of it is B-roll footage of a carnival. And I think it's just strange because it doesn't feel real. This is creepy in ways that the director didn't intend. It's like 
it, you you watch it and you feel like this movie's gonna end with like the actor being horribly killed on screen or something like that, or like this was like the last known footage of people. You know, it really has this unnerving feeling about it that actually makes it probably a pretty decent scary movie, but not scary intentionally. Scary like in terms of where the hell did this thing even come from? If that uh, was... this was a 1964 movie, so. Yeah, yeah, but it it is like one of the single weirdest experiences. It has like a bunch of burlesque numbers which take up most of the plot, and yeah, it is probably uh, in my top five of weird what the hell movies that I've ever seen. If that doesn't count, I have another example, and it's uh, probably also from Russia. It's called uh, I think the Russian title is Morosko, aka uh, Father Frost. It's an adaptation of Russian fairy tales like this. I think it was actually done by the same director that did uh, Sword and the Dragon, and it's a really beautiful movie. This thing is shot absolutely gorgeously. Some of the shots, like just the landscapes, are, are like some of the most stunning things I have seen in movies. And it's an adaptation, again, of several Russian fairy tales, but unlike this movie, I feel like uh, Father Frost does it in a lot more uh, cohesive way. It does have an English dub, I think a couple of them actually, and it's actually uh, worth checking out if you have if you haven't seen it. It's a live action movie. Uh, the effects have not aged well in a lot of parts, but I feel like as a whole, it definitely is one of the more uh, interesting ones. So that's going to be uh, my uh, answer if uh, Incredibly Strange Creatures does not count because, man, Incredibly Strange Creatures. I mean, even the title is like has as I think like twelve, thirteen words. I mean, that, that is. is... Pro- I think it should probably do the uh, freaking uh, Russian one just to be on the safe side in case. Yeah, yeah, like... we'll, we'll go with that. We'll go with that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because so, I don't know if Incredibly Strange Creatures really counts as fantasy, but it does count as a weird, weird as hell movie. So that's gonna be my uh, pick. Uh, and Gron, what would you have to say? Um. Hmm. That is a bit of a toughie because I have definitely seen a lot of unique fantasy movies, for better or worse. Like, there was Beastmaster, there was Crawl. like, oh man. Like, there are a lot out there that were weird, but honestly, they fell into a formula that was all basic, and I could more or less predict what would happen in those, more or less. One fantasy movie ultimately that caught my one ultimately bit of fantasy media that I find very much more unique than the others, however, is uh, what was it? Oh, it was Centaur World, a Netflix show (laughs) that oh boy it it was it was it was produced by megan mccarthy who also worked on mlp so yeah good luck getting that out of your head but okay as weird as okay this is more or less tame however it still has some pretty nonsensical stuff in it like you have this normal horse living in a not-so-normal place with a bunch of half-man, half-insert-beast-here thing. Like, even the landscapes, like the huts, the mountains, the tornadoes, are all centaurs. They're all tars, and it is. Oh, boy. It, and also, it like it's so full of magic and weird spells. I'm just like, what the heck? I... 
Oh, man. Like, I could somewhat follow it for the most part, and, but it definitely threw a lot, lot of loops in the best way possible, but it was... Uh, it was certainly bizarre, and you should definitely give it a watch to ultimately experience what I'm going through. Crawl is also another option I could have picked now that I think about it, because it's pretty weird. However, it's not as weird as Centaur World. Or Enchanted Princess, for that matter. <laughs> That's an understatement. Good one, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, great. So, yep, that's a very good example. Uh, Striker, what would you have to say? Uh, I mean, I ha technically haven't seen it yet, but I do plan on watching it one of these days. Um, uh, Final Fantasy VII Advent Children, if that counts. Oh, that's a good movie. I think it does. Or less count. It has a fantasy setting despite the sci-fi stuff, so sci-fi fantasy, yeah, that, that works. Uh, it's mainly just because, like, uh, I, I love, I was actually, like, impressed on how, like, they expanded the original game's story, as well as, um, like, just uh, Uematsu saying, like, this is the, uh, de facto version of, um, uh, uh, one winged angel, <laughs> like that. Really the definitive version. Uh, this movie has the definitive version of his. Uh, what what a lot of people say is magnum opus. Yeah, no, I definitely, I can definitely see why because it definitely, uh, you know, shows how the franchise as a whole. It, it, even the franchise as a whole can really count as one, to be honest. Honestly, yeah. For sure. Yep. Absolutely. Alright, so, uh, Math, what would you have to say? Alright, I'm going to pull from Math's uh, big box of uh, weird and obscure animated movies. Oh, boy. So, this is a premise that has either never been done before or has very rarely been done and has not really been done since. Rise of the Guardians. Oh, oh that that was a I heard one. of that one. What was it called? Rise, Rise of the Guardians. Guardians. Not oh, to that be one. Legends of the Guardians. Could that follow that movie, easily. Which is another good fantasy movie. Uh Rise of the Guardians was oh hey, what if all of these uh holiday mascots were superheroes and they were a team fighting evil? What if the holidays were Avengers, basically? And, yep. Honestly, I read I read three of the books, and oh man, the stuff stuff in that book is amazing. But I saw the movie first, so I'm like, mm, oh man, like I kind of want to see them do really, more really with the Guardian series. The animation is fantastic. The character designs are all great. It just didn't take off, and it's just fallen to the wayside. It's unfortunate that it didn't. Because yeah, the, it had potential. Oh, a hundred percent. It's such a shame that uh that this movie was a critical and financial failure because it really, really deserved better. And it's a shame that I feel like it put DreamWorks kind of on a losing streak, not in terms of quality of films, but in terms of the financial success of their movies. The twenty twenty the twenty tens was not kind to them in a lot of ways for a lot of their movies. Yeah. Can you explain how bad this was, financially speaking. Uh, this was their worst performing movie until Ruby Gilman this year. 
Honestly, oh. Ruby Gilman was pretty good. I love oh, the was. Jane Fonda. I heard it was good. I heard it, had, it, it had some very fun moments. I uh, heard it was good. It's just it was literally put into theaters the week after Elementals. So yeah, it, it stood no chance, really. Unfortunately, yep. Unfortunately, yeah. It's always the same when that happens in movies, you know. It so, was yeah, like uh, week sorry, after week for hits in that uh, around that time this year, so. Yeah, definitely. I could definitely see why uh, that would happen. So, um, Jordan, since uh, Jordan arrived uh, in between the uh, episode, uh, what would you say is the most uh, unique fantasy film slash uh, media piece you've seen? Um, mine would probably be, it's my favorite, also terrifying, would be The Page Match- Master. Uh, the Page Master. Oh, that, that was a fun movie. movie. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's Macaulay Culkin. I think it was Macaulay Culkin's last uh, film when he was a child star, one of his last. It was a pretty good one. I, I remember it. I heard it's, it. It's very good. It just basically shows how this little boy tries to come over his fears of everything around him, and he goes to this library, and he finds three books of horror, uh, adventure, and fantasy, and the horror section, it just gives me goosebumps when he finds uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. High, and the transformation from High to Jekyll is just terrifying. <laughs> it just gives you, like, holy flying shit. Yeah, uh, and then yeah the-, the animation in that movie in particular is it is fantastic. It's a movie that I feel like it, it it's getting a little more uh, respect now than it did on release. And yeah. again... Uh, I feel like uh, it's a movie that definitely uh, is an underrated one, too. But, Indeed. yeah, no, that, yeah. that's a great, great choice. Yeah, they have great actors like... Um, oh Christopher God, Lloyd. Yeah, Christopher Lloyd. Uh, Whoopi... Not Whoopi. Yeah, Whoopi Goldberg. And yeah. I didn't know who put the voice for horror, but it's just a great movie. I mean, there were some parts, again, the horror section was so, like, okay, this is have to be for kids, but it kind of teaches you life lessons a bit. Like, you can't let fear yeah. stand in your way. And fantasy is just beauty everywhere. Though it can be scary as hell, but you gotta, you know, face it. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, exactly. Apparently, I'm looking it up. Uh, uh, Patrick Stewart was Adventure, which, okay, that's how I mean. Yeah. Oh, that's oh, awesome. Oh, I did Frank not know Welker, that. Wow. Frank Welker is, was a my, horror. My, that's awesome. My brain. Is you as saying you were about to say Patrick Stowe? Oh. <laughs> that would have been very interesting. Be we awesome need to take the books and push him somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, he played. Yeah, he played horror, and then fantasy. It was Christopher Lloyd. Um, it's just a really good thing. Like the animation was just like okay, it was hand drawn back in the old days, right, and then up. just. Back that up. Did you say Christopher Lloyd was fantasy? That doesn't sound right. Christopher Lloyd was the uh, page master. Yeah. I, I, it's been a while, but I get the names all mixed up. So. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay, it's all good. All good. But yeah, yeah, the movie and the soundtrack is so good. And again, if they would have done more animation, like besides Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, they would maybe like done more with more transformations, like future on movies. But. The movie was great. The song's great. And it's just like, holy cow, just drop your jaw, just drop. Just seeing all these like villains 
like Long John Silver or the scene of Moby Dick. That is also a good terrifying scene, just seeing the white yeah. whale. And it's just a good movie. I recommend it. It I go back to it once in a while because it's good and everything. Yep. Indeed, yeah. I can I can that, see that. Yeah, that that definitely is a uh yeah, mm-hmm. that's a great, great choice right there. So uh yeah. Lucky Evie, what do you have to say? I honestly don't know. I'm trying to think of something, but nothing's coming up. It's all good. It's all good. So, Indeed. yep, now it is... Okay. So, yep, uh, now it is time. I'm sorry, Zach, go ahead. Let me see here, actually, because that honestly reminds me of something that... Go ahead, go ahead. Hmm. Let's see here. Fantasy, original fantasy. Oh. I might have to change my answer from uh, freaking uh, what's his face uh, from Centaur World to possibly uh, to, what was I gonna say? Uh, oh yeah, to probably Freddy the Frog because oh, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, Freddy yeah. the yeah. Frog. Yes, yes. Yeah, I I w- yeah honestly Centaur World's pretty weird, but I could follow that just fine. And I could also follow Freddy the Frog, but it is very unique in, like, being a fantasy film and then just immediately doing a 180, like the yeah, Beastmaster no, that, sequel that, did. Yeah, that that definitely, a thousand percent, is is even weirder than this movie, and it's a lot more fun movie than this, in my opinion, but it yeah, is fun. I agree. Right. So, yep, now it is time for the uh, Dragonist scale, where we rank the Dragonesses, and now, Princess Barbara is going to be very, very unique because on one hand, the movie she's in is not very good. And normally she would be the best part, but I don't know. Uh, I really like the design. I like the fact that she has a different voice. I like the fact that her scale color is her dress. I like the fact that she's shorter than usual, which gives her a lot more of a unique appearance. But I don't know. I just feel like the movie as a whole is what's dragging her down. I feel mm. like if the movie was a, a better film, she would get like a way, way higher score than what she's going to get. But I really might not be able to give her any more than a like my gut is telling me a six. And that's only because uh, the voice acting can be really, really hard at times. And mm. uh, sometimes she doesn't get a lot to do, unfortunately, for like the entire middle half of the movie with Baba Yaga. She's just uh, sidelined for uh, about like 20 25 minutes so that too is a mm. pretty big letdown and again the fact that uh her dragonist form she really just uh she gets she helps him out with the riddles against the uh, russian willy the giant and what happens is that she uh saves uh ivan from falling basically those are the two really heroic things that she does if she did a little more and she had a little more screen time, she would get a higher score. And again, the movie's quality definitely doesn't help as well. But yeah, yeah with that being said, I like the design. I like uh, the aspects of it. I just really wish it was a better movie because, man. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, six out of ten for me. That's that's mm. probably as high as I can realistically go with her. Uh, and Gron, what would you have to give her? Be a little more generous. Yeah, to be fair, like, initially her character really shone through as, like, being on the same league as Ivan or Evan or whatever. Uh, because, uh, and as a dragon, again, I feel, I felt very sorry for her. Like, 
there were very there were a few moments where I was like, uh, are you good? Like her with Baba Yaga saying she didn't want to be there, and then she's just like, oh, this is good. Yeah, I'm honestly gonna blame the movie on like the whole dubbing thing and that, but yeah, otherwise I felt more sorry for her than annoyed by her because she did have some quote unquote annoying moments, but it will it could have been way worse for her. And honestly, I feel they found a com a middle that's comfortable enough that I didn't really hate what we got for it. So as so. For out of generosity and the fact that I really uh, enjoyed this character and Ivan, and the fact that the movie did feel uh, enjoyable in spite of a lot of the bad stuff about it, I am going to give this a 7 out of 10. One higher, but no more in my opinion. I'm going to give her a 7 out of 10 for design and semi-character alone. Uh, I definitely can see where you're coming from with it. And again, I really would love to give her a seven, but I just feel like I can't. I mean, even stuff like, you know, I, the, the lack of screen time, I feel, is also what really hurts. But again, that's mm -hmm. why I probably gave her that. But you know, things that, anyway, uh, Striker, what would you have to give her? Honestly, I've had this in mind since I uh, finished the movie. I'm giving her a four out of ten. Uh, her design is great. I will say that right now. Oh, hell but yeah. The personality, when she turns into a dragon, her personality takes a whole 180 from when she was a princess into a dragon. And it just, ooh, it hit so, uh, it hit hard, uh, differently. And I did not like it. I can see why. Uh, but yeah, honestly, I didn't hate that. I didn't hate that for the most part. Like, she got transformed into a dragonish straight out of the blue, and it was not exactly easy for her uh, going forward. So, yeah. Ugh. Yeah, yeah I, I definitely, definitely can see why you give that. Uh, mm -hmm. Math, what would you have to give uh, her, the princess? As a dragon, uh, she is dummy thick and cute. I, I have, have to agree. Everything yes. positive I have to say about this character. Oh yeah, boy, she dummy thick, and she does have her heroic moments. All things considered. Anyway, uh, yeah. So I know what are you that saying, they were Matt? trying. I know that they were, but she is one of the most insufferable characters I've seen. I her voice was a nail on a chalkboard to me. I couldn't stand her. I couldn't stand how whiny she was. I couldn't stand anything that that was the, the the only thing uh the only thing i actually enjoyed was the the joke of her being used as a bellow that was funny <laughs> yeah this is this was just so bad a character and i blame the dub entirely for this the Hell dub yeah. had to have destroyed this character i believe she had to have been decent in the original russian and was just shit here she's a three for me and that is purely based on because I find her appearance cute. All right. Indeed. Yeah, yeah, I definitely, again, can see where you're coming from with it. Uh, Jordan, what would you have to say? I have not seen this. I've never heard of it. I don't want to, but my cur I, I want to go look for it after hearing it. You know, I missed half of it of this whole podcast. Uh, check does an image chat chatting for the character. I posted an image there of her. You can. <laughs> yeah, see. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, <laughs> my I, best work. I, I, 
I probably want to go with maybe a two. <laughs> hey, hey, it's all good. I, I definitely can see that. You know, that makes sense. And, um, yeah, and uh, Evie, what do you have to give her? I'm looking at it, and I'm still not sure. It's a dragon in bondage. What more do you want? <laughs> yeah, but I'm just not sure of the waiting. Uh, just pick like uh, whatever you think, like uh, one in ten. You know, I yeah, one in ten. Yes, my go-to of five. If I don't know what the else to do. All right, it's all good. It's all good. So yeah, that is going to be it for uh, this week's episode. This movie was. Very, very taxing, but thankfully we got done with it. If you have any questions, or if you want to tell us how you'd make this movie even weirder, you can email us at fieryDiscourse at Outlook.com or visit us on Twitter at Twitter.com slash FieryDiscourse. Next time, we'll be talking about the 2000 animated OVA Pikachu's Winter Vacation 2 for our Christmas special. Hell yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun talking about this uh, classic bit of Pokemon media and that's also going to be our Christmas special for this year, and it'll be released Christmas Eve. But that'll hey. be next week. And uh, for this week, thank you guys so much for watching, and take care. Laters. Adios. See you.